Thank you for joining us, folks. Uh, my name is Rob from the YouTube Vinyl Community Channel, Northern Revolutions. I'm joined by two guests today, Brian from Embryotic Robot and Chris Profi from Chris Profi Musically Obsessed, both uh, also YouTube Vinyl Community channels that uh, I encourage everyone to check out. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. My pleasure. Uh, I thought we would have a discussion as... Um, music fans and record collectors and Chris is more of a musician than I am. Well, I, I do have guitars. I wouldn't call myself a musician, Chris, I would, but I thought it would be an interesting discussion today to talk about one of the legends that we lost recently, Gordon Lightfoot, uh, who I, I, I want to say legendary, I think would probably be a pretty adequate uh, description of him. Um, Either of you, what what was your sort of uh, what was your gut reaction when you when you heard the news that he'd passed away a few weeks ago? Yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it, and um, you know it's funny because I was thinking about I had, I like before we started recording today, I told you guys that I saw him live, and recently I've been like, you know what, I want I want to see Gordon Lightfoot live again. Because I'm like, you know, he's not going to be around for much longer and he's such a legend. And, you know, and then I heard of his passing and I was I was just blown away. And, and I think it was either that day or the day after that I, I made my you know kind of tribute to Gordon Lightfoot because I just I had to say something because his music has, uh, you know, spoken to me throughout the years. And, um, you know, so I, I de it definitely hit me hard. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I mean, obviously sadness, uh, you know, he, as a man in his 80s, you know, it's it's sort of wonderful we had him so long, you know, it could have right. could have been worse. And in fact, you know, he had that serious issue with health back in the early 2000s, I think, where he's yep. in the hospital for quite a while. Yep. And then the death hoax. So bizarrely, I was thinking, wow, we're lucky to have had him because we could have lost him a long time ago. So sadness, of course, um, lucky that we had him as long as we did. But oddly, the thing that I thought about most was the fact that you know, you mentioned earlier, Rob, uh, before we went out live, is all the musicians who thought of him as a real influence and a, as a pioneer. And I kept thinking about people like those musicians who, what were they thinking? You know, that's what I was, what I was wondering, you know, what were they thinking about this, this event? It would have been very sad for them. So all those kinds of conflicted things about sadness, but happiness, he lived to be 84 and that uh, he didn't, we didn't lose him sooner. That's that kind of thing. So well, I sort of had a similar reaction. I mean, I wasn't terribly shocked because he was 84. Yeah. yeah. And if anyone had seen him in the last several years, I mean, he, he looked his age and, and, and then some, uh, he, he had kind of led a, a hard life, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and it was not a secret that his health was not as good as it had been. He recently postponed some dates. So it wasn't a terrible shock, but at the same time, I couldn't help, the first thing I thought of was just this, and I had, you know, musicians I like have passed away before, but this was the first time I really actually felt this, this sense of loss, like something he's missing. He, he, and I'm sure we'll get into this, uh, is, was so, looms so large in our, in our musical tapestry in Canada that, you know, it's kind of like he was the guy that went first. He was kind of like the wise old grandfather and all of a sudden he's gone and you're like, you know, the guy that has led the path for us all isn't here anymore. So it was, it was, uh, it was a weird one. It was, it was surreal that I was, you know, profoundly affected by someone I hadn't, I've never met. And the other, the second thought for me was I'd never got to see him live. 
and I, and I thought, oh my God, I'm never going to get to see him perform. Right. So that was, that was kind of a sad, kind of a sad thing. Um, I think what everyone sort of associates, especially in recent weeks, um, is his legacy that he leaves behind. And uh, I think that's maybe worth exploring. And maybe, Chris, you, you can go first, being the American on this panel. You know, what is what does his legacy mean for, for you as a and only as an American, but, you know, as a human being in general? I'm curious what what a perspective of someone outside of Gordon's native land means of, you know, what does he mean to you guys? Yeah. You know, um, when I first started getting into Gordon Lightfoot, it was, it was just, you know, because of the music. And then I started to realize that I didn't realize he wrote so many songs that other people covered. Like I, I, I'm into the Peter, Paul and Mary, and of course, Johnny Cash and Dylan and everything. And, you know, I didn't realize he wrote the song "That's What You Get for Loving Me" and all this other stuff. So that started to once artists that you know and love cover songs of somebody else, you're like, oh, you start to gain more respect for that person. Um, and then, you know, listening to other Canadians talk about him, they basically said that he embodied Canada. And you know, as you said, I'm an American. I mean, I've been to Canada, but um, you know, I'm definitely not a Canadian, but it's funny though, when I listen to Gordon Lightfoot's music, it does give me that sort of vibe. Uh, and I, I hate to just say Canadian vibe, but it, his culture and his country come out in his music, not only, I mean, and I was playing some Gordon Lightfoot today at uh, a barbecue with my kids were there. And, um, you know, I, it, it comes down to not only way, the way he speaks, um, but just his his lyrics that he has, his arrangements of his music, he I can I can I guess what I'm saying is I can see why people say he embodies Canada, and I I'm saying that as an American, and I still feel that from him, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Um, I, I I think I'll, I'll come back to that in a sec. Um, there's also, I mean. Musically, aside from the, the the Canadian cultural aspect, I mean, I've heard so many musicians around the world in the last you know couple of weeks that you know have, have put out statements and, and said, ir- irrespective of the the Canadian culture side of it, yeah, just what he did as a musician, as a as a as a composer, as 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 someone you know putting together you know harmonies and, and rhythms and, and doing all those kind of things. You know, Dylan said, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but and I don't know when this was from, but he essentially said that, you know, Gordon Lightfoot songs are perfect and he wished they would go on forever. Um, You know, do you you hear any of that sort of uh, reverence in terms of the musical aspect of it? Yeah, I wanted to say this, too, and this kind of go along with what you said. Um, Good music paints a picture in your head. And it kind of touches on all senses. And I feel like when Gordon Lightfoot writes music and, uh, you know, I'll just say the song, the Canadian Railroad Trilogy. um, I feel like he talks about the beauty of Canada. You know, he talks about the sights, the sounds, the smells. 
And I feel that when he's singing and the way he's written his music. So, and again, you know, even though I'm not in Canada, I feel like I am when I'm listening to his music because he just, he paints the beauty of your country through his music. And I, I, a good writer can do that. Well, it's good. I mean, I sort of have that, I have that feeling too, but I didn't know, you know, that, whether that was my own sort of cultural bias wing in there. So it's interesting that, that you so, sort of get that, that same thoughts from him. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on his legacy, Brian, as, as a fellow yeah. Canadian from, from not too far from, from where Gordon was born and lived his life? Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious things like, you know, 20 records and all the Juno Awards that he won. But I think for me, I always think about, you know, he's sort of the blueprint for how to be successful in Canada. So many uh, Canadians went to the United States. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like Neil Young went down, Leonard Cohen went down and other places. Bruce Coburn's living there now. So that idea of like, how can you stay in Canada and maintain your Canadian identity and actually have a successful career? And how, how do you exert your um, cultural identity when you're so close to such a large country like you know was it like 80 or 85 percent of canadians live within us <laughs> within 100 miles of the border, the border. Yeah. yeah so so that i mean i think about that like that he did go but he did go to the la for a couple of years and three years yeah. there yeah so yeah. he did that but i think that you know i really think there's a bit of the the blueprint there of how you uh, maintain that identity and i think that his legacy also has to be in the number of musicians that look up to him or looked up to him as an inspiration everybody from you've mentioned some like blue rodeo we got uh, ron sexsmith uh, bruce coburn uh, you know i saw an interview with him recently he talked about gordon like but they didn't know each other very well but he talked about him as being influential and so many other people ronnie hawkins all these people who um who looked up to him and i think without him it's interesting to think about what would have been the trajectory of canadian like that that sort of folk that folk pop canadian sound that he had uh what would have been what would have taken his place and that's something you think about so i think that all those things wrapped up i think are important to think about that's that's okay. the thing i think about most when i think about him and i think about his legacy i i am a admitted nerd for you know canadian music and i sort of like the on YouTube, I'll accept sort of the self-proclaimed ambassador of, of <laughs> at least mentioning uh, those bands. I'm sure people are, are sick of me talking about bands I've never heard of before and they don't do it purposely to be obscure, but that's the genre that I'm passionate about. And really he, he was the guy that really, I mean, essentially he started our music industry. I mean, when he was a struggling singer songwriter in the early sixties, you know, playing in coffee shops and stuff and, and bars and, whatever, there wasn't a Canadian music industry to speak of. And to your point, everyone that wanted to do anything went south of the border. And and that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there wasn't really a place for homegrown music. And he really sort of, he created sort of the mold or the archetype for the, for the singer-songwriter that now is plentiful up here. I mean, everyone that I love immensely in Canadian music every single one of them will say it's because of Gordon Lightfoot I mean I talk about people like Kathleen Edwards incredible singer songwriter um great roots band the Sky Diggers probably my favorite guy ever and, and this album I think is probably the closest modern album to a Gordon Lightfoot album this is Adam Baldwin we talked Chris talked about how Gordon Lightfoot painted words with pictures. This is exactly what, I mean, Adam was, was a rock guy, but this is a, a folk 
album. And he does the songs here very much like Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald or Canadian Railroad Trilogy. I mean, this I, how this got overlooked by the Juno Committee, I have no idea. And then, of course, legends like Blue Rodeo. I mean, Jim and Greg have come out and said, if it wasn't for Gordon Lightfoot, they would have stayed in New York City and been a struggling bar band. So for me, his legacy is that he really he beat the path and, and, and really was the foundation of our music industry up here. So yeah. And, what I, think a legacy. It, and I think it goes on to even music that doesn't really sound like the music you just showed. Of course. For example, uh, the real statics covered the record. Absolutely. Of Tragically hip, you know, there's, that's a very Canadian band too. And I, I, yep. I remember that uh, I saw a clip of them playing nautical disaster and Gord Downey introduced it as being a song by Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> and I was, cause it's a nautical disaster. And I wonder right. how many people in the audience probably took him at his word that it was a lightfoot song. It's a, it's a, that's a good joke. <laughs> Well, I was going to mention uh, the Bare Naked Ladies as well, because their first album was called Gordon. And I looked it up. It's not actually named after Gordon Lightfoot, I guess. And I don't know if this is like funny, because obviously the Bare Naked Ladies have a sense of humor. But I guess they named it after Typhoon Gordon that hit the Philippines in 1989. Who knows if that's true? I always thought it was because of Gordon Lightfoot. But I did want to mention on their children's album called Snack Time. They've got a song called the Canadian Snack Time Trilogy. <laughs> and on here, Gordon Lightfoot makes an appearance. He says that um, it's funny because he says its favorite snack is, well, he says pasta, where, uh, you know, we hear, we say pasta. And my right, kids yeah. always thought that was funny. They're like, what's pasta? I'm like, it's pasta. <laughs> it's just the accent. So, right. Um, but basically, Gordon Lightfoot appears on this album. So I didn't. I didn't know that. That's yeah. This is a really cool record too by the Bare Naked Ladies. But and obviously the Bare Naked Ladies became huge here. Um, and uh, you know, I was also gonna was gonna mention the the band the Guess Who, who are also a Canadian band. Obviously, Love them. on their album Wheatfield Soul, they have a song called Lightfoot. Yep. Where they talk about how magical Gordon is. So. And that was back, you know, I, when did that album come out? Late 60s, early 70s? I can't remember. Early 70s, I think. Yeah. But, you know, so I feel like he's not like, Gordon is not like you, 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 for me, it's hard to point to people that he's influenced, but I feel like he, he still has influenced people, but maybe not in ways that are so recognizable. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You have to think um, a little. <clears throat> Do either of you recall sort of, you know, maybe the first Lightfoot song you heard or the first time that you went, wow, that's 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 something. Yeah. You know what? I was I was hanging out with my friend. We would always drive around just listening to music and he put on the uh, he had it on CD, but he put on um, this album, Gord's Gold. Gord's Gold. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, who is this guy on the front cover? He's like, sort of like, you know, it's, he's got a lot of hair. He looks like he looks like an axe murderer on the cover of that album. Yeah, I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. And then he, and you know, um, is that song in here? Yeah, if you could read my mind, came yeah. on, and yeah. I'm like, I know this freaking song, and I'm like, and then there's just something about Gordon's uh, vocal delivery. He sounds like nobody else. Right. And I think from that point, it just he he connected with me because I'm like, there's something about this guy that I want to listen to his music. 
And um, so that was that. That was, and I know that was one of his biggest hits. But if you could read my mind, was was probably the first song that I made that connection to him with. Sure. Yeah. You, Brian? Well, uh, I, I'm sure the thing is, growing up in Canada, I'm sure I heard lots of his songs without right. thinking about it. But the first sure. song that really uh, captured my attention, like so many others, is probably The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald from, from mm-hmm. this record, because my dad had it. So, you know, when I think of Gordon Lightfoot, I think of my dad because everybody has it. <laughs> We've all got it. For those right. that are watching on YouTube, yeah. you'll see all three of us holding up. The same album, Summertime Dream. Right. And I will say the funny thing about it is uh, it's one of the few few artists my dad liked and I liked. And I liked it as a kid. And I think I didn't even know he was Canadian. I'm pretty sure I hear this, heard the song on the radio and didn't know he was Canadian. But uh, I, I think everyone was captivated by that song. It's astounding that it was a single because it was so long, like six and a half minutes. Like, how did that happen? And there's no chorus. <laughs> there's no chorus and my understanding is that the first time they played it was the time they recorded it like there was no rehearsals like that yeah. that is the thing that oh, yeah, that's what did. i heard too yeah so um yeah my introduction would have been probably lots of other songs that i don't remember but then this song because it captivated so many people because it was such a it's such an epic such a <laughs> such a great track so that's well, probably I mean, it. it's a magical opening the legend lives on from the chippewa on down and you're like the Chippewa, like who puts that in a song? Right. And I don't know. There's just something that just draws you in from that first line. And there's something else about that song that I was just thinking about recently. It, you know, there's lots you could say about it in terms of like the guitar work and that sort of thing. But this is a song that I don't think I've ever sung along to because every time that every time it's on, I just want to hear it. Like I want to listen to him say the words, even though you know what they are. But I have never sung along to that song, which yeah. is a pretty weird thing to say about a song you like. Right. And I think that's probably true. You just sit in reverence listening to the lyrics, even though you know exactly what's going to happen. You know how it's going, but you just can't bring yourself to sing sing to it because you want to hear him say the words. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I'm with you on that, and and. I'll circle back a second time to something that Chris said earlier about how he can, you know, paint a picture with words. For those that don't know, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is uh, about a uh, Great Lakes freighter that sunk in a storm um, and all the men on board perished. And that was in 72, I think. And they didn't find the Edmund Fitzgerald wreck until about, it was in the 90s, I believe. Yeah. So no one knew what happened. Essentially, the story goes when, when the ship left port, you know, it, it, it was clo- in close proximity to another ship and there was radio contact. Then all of a sudden it just disappeared. Never found a body, never found anything. But to listen to this song, you'd swear Gordon was on the ship. Yeah. I mean, the story that he tells and the and, and the pictures that he paints with his imagination, like what 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 probably happened? And and, you know, I just I, I love it. And I listened. I've heard it hundreds and hundreds of times. And you just listen to it with such. Uh, what's the word? Like emotional trepidation or whatever, because you just like, man, I know where this is going and I feel bad for these people. And it's just. What an incredible, incredible, incredible song. Yeah. Just amazing. My first um, memory, and and like Brian, um, I mean, the radio was always on at home and my dad was always playing records. So I'm sure by osmosis, I had heard dozens and dozens of Lightfoot songs while not being really cognizant that that's, in fact, what I was hearing. And I've, I've told the story 
that I didn't get into music until I was probably 14, 15. So in the early nineties and my first distinct Gordon Lightfoot memory, I think it was grade nine English class. We had a teacher who Chris reminds me a lot of being a teacher <laughs> that plays guitar. And, and so he and was, he was tall, handsome, and you know, <laughs> uh, he was old with a big beard and oh, okay. uh, thinning white hair. And you uh, know, okay. yeah, that's his me. name was his name that's was me. Jamie McIntosh, wonderful man. I think it was him that did it, or it might have been one of my other English teachers, but I kind of think it was him. And we were doing whatever it was we were studying, but uh, they played the Canadian Railroad trilogy for us to illustrate some kind of whether it was some kind of creative yeah. writing or poetry doesn't no recollection of what the actual lesson was but the first time i heard that song in english class i was just blown away for all the same reasons the images it paints and i mean i don't know that there's a better song that he wrote that uh really encapsulates sort of the canadian experience so i was just wow what is this and when i got home parents are what did you do at school today dad heard the canadian railroad trilogy and that's when this album came out sundown dad's like well you got to hear sundown because it's gordon lightfoot (laughs) yeah so it was uh that's that was my first uh my first recollection of of gordon lightfoot so um i just want to say something along those lines uh i thought of another artist who I'm a huge fan of, and it's Johnny Cash. And the thing is, like, when you're talking about the Canadian Railroad trilogy, Gordon Lightfoot is putting history in in sort of a not. I'm not going to say pop because that's more of like a folk, but it's it, it's an accessible way for people to hear history. Yep. Johnny Cash does the same thing. I does. mean, Johnny Cash had a whole record of the Apache Indian, like it, and but he made it in the form of a song where you could listen to it and you were learning something at the same time. So uh, I, I, I liken Gordon Lightfoot to a, to a Johnny Cash, I think maybe even more than a Dylan. Right. Yeah. So that documentary kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Which comes up in black day in July, obviously that's a right. very interesting song too. So yeah. Yeah. But So for those that are listening to this and maybe have not, um, you know, giving it any, giving him any attention or whatever. What's uh, if you were to suggest an on ramp or a gateway for folks? What, uh, where would you, where would you have them start? Well, I mean, the obvious choice is Gord Gold because you get a lot of the hits. But my shamefully, absolute, I don't own that. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. My uh, my absolute favorite album by him is an album called Shadows. Oh yeah. And this, this one. came yeah. out in 1982. So it's a later album of his. But I've first of all, I've always loved the cover art. It's literally like a sort of a shadowy image of him on the front. And you've got 14 Karat Gold, which I think was a pretty big hit for him. The song In My Fashion, which was a hit for him. But the title track, Shadows is just an amazingly written song. And I don't think a lot of people know about this record. It's 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 my favorite. So I would say after Gord's Gold, I mean, obviously Summertime Dream as well, but Shadows, you, 
don't let too many records go by before you listen to Shadows. Yeah, I, I'd say Gord's Gold, obviously. I, I, good good recommendations, but Gord's Gold, obviously, is the one I think that is a good entry point for me anyway. It's probably yeah. one of the first... It might have been one of the first ones I've owned. I own possibly, so... And just so folks know, while it is a greatest hits of the first portion of his career, they're all re-recorded for that album. So they're yes. not just they're not just plucked. They're all contemporary performances of those songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I Yeah, and his voice on this record, I mean, that's it's just phenomenal. He has this deep sort of baritone and the vibrato on his voice is just he just has a beautiful voice. That's why when I saw him live a few years back, of course he can't sing like he used to. He's in his he was in his 80s. But it was a little jarring at first because you're used to that beautiful lilting voice of his and then it kind of came down to this mere shell of what it used to be. But again, he was in his 80s, so that's understandable. He started to lose his voice though, and I don't know what happened in the early 80s. So I don't know what it was. I'd have to read up on it, but you'll see his voice got a little thinner and thinner and thinner. And then like by the mid eighties on, it was, it just wasn't what it used to be. So I, I don't know what that can be attributed to. Too uh, many cigarettes. I think maybe <laughs> too <laughs> much. He was, a, he was a drinker as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised his liver lasted 84 years. <laughs> That's but a good I mean, point. Look and looking at the track list of um, Gord's Gold, you you've got Ribbon of Darkness, Song for a Winter's Night, which is amazing. You you've got Canadian Railroad Trilogy, what uh, for Love and Me? Did she mention my name? You've got Bitter Green, Early Morning Rain, Minstrel of the Dawn, Sundown. The reason I'm listing all these is because this guy wrote so many songs: Rainy Day People, Cotton Jenny. Uh, old Dan's records, if you could read my mind, Cold in the Shoulder, Carefree. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the of the killer tunes that he wrote. Yeah. But, yeah. So was that your recommendation too, Brian? Gord's yeah, Gold? I was there any others? Yeah. I think Gord's Gold is, I think if you if you listen to that record and you find something in there that you like, then yeah. just just, you know, pick up the others. And funny thing is, he was... Uh, for many years, the only good record you could find in thrift shops for a long time, for True. a long, long time. And I, I don't find them anymore. But at, at one point, you'd go in and the only thing there were Gordon Lightfoot records. I'd, I'd just grab whatever I could find, but uh, yeah. not any longer. So, <laughs> yeah, that used to, you could always count on finding that. And you could always count on finding Hot Shots by Trooper was always in thrift <laughs> shops. And you'd always find that first album by The Knack. Those were always... All, Without fail, you'll find those in thrift shops. But I don't see, you're right. I don't see much Lightfoot anymore. But no. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means yeah. people are, are, are picking them up. I think so. I, I would echo what you guys said. If, if I were to on-ramp somebody, I would say Gord's Gold, obviously, which, sadly, again, sadly, I don't own. But um, yeah. And then if, if, if I were to say, you know, okay, you like that, you want to dig a little bit deeper. I'm going Sundown. Yeah. Um, love the record. Obviously, Sundown the title track um, was his biggest hit internationally. As far as I know, Um, carefree highway is on here. Um, Interestingly, and I I can't share all the details of the story, but the night after or the night that Gordon passed away, I was talking to a friend of mine that knows knew Gordon quite well, because he's also a Canadian musician. And, uh, 
he shared with me the story of sundown and who it is actually about because Gordon's never said publicly. So I know who it's about and I actually know that person as well. But uh, yeah, that was it. That was interesting. Um, Cause I've always loved that song and it's not who it's not about who you think it's about or who everyone thinks it's about. So interesting story. I, I can't, I've been asked not to share the details, but uh, well, it's, it's, and what's funny is it's a pop song about a stalker. Correct. And Correct. it's like, you know, if you look into the lyrics, you're probably like, oh, this is not the song I thought it was. Right. Because it, it certainly sounds like a very sort of uh, upbeat kind of. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and uh, talking about folk music, that song has an amazing groove for uh, yeah. a folk song. When you think about it, that song just killer. Yep. The melody in that song. Yep. Yeah. I love that song. That's Sorry. on here, too. Sundown. Yes. Yeah. Right. My copy looks fit more faded than yours, Brian, but... Uh, maybe my lighting is different. Uh, it's like a darker... Yeah. Yeah. But, well, this well, I'm going to have impressive. to go to the record store this week and try and find a copy because I, I feel <laughs> left out of the club that I don't have one. Well, what's funny is this is on Reprise Records, but that's the label, which you don't really see that label that often. No. This is more of the... Uh, this is yeah. the increase one we have here. So. so this is a later, obviously a later pressing. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have any other reprise records that have that label. It looks unfamiliar. Yeah. There's another, um, and it's only available on CD, and I'm going to have to track it down. And it, this might not be everybody's cup of tea, but back in 2003, and I'll put a graphic of this up on the screen so folks that are watching on youtube can see it i have it digitally i don't i don't have it in physical form but there was a gordon lightfoot tribute album done yeah. back in 2003 it was called beautiful a tribute to gordon lightfoot nice and all uh, many of those artists that i talked about that are canadian that are inspired by gordon lightfoot uh came together and made one amazing tribute album just absolutely fantastic uh blue rodeo bruce coburn uh, geez, I came. Anyone that was anyone, Cowboy, Cowboy Junkies. Junkies, yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic tribute album. So I'll yeah. have to see if I can track one of those down. It's, it's kind of scarce, I think. I think Ron Sexsmith is also on that. Yes, record. absolutely. Yes. He's a. There's another incredible singer songwriter that. I mean, yeah. that's got Gordon Lightfoot fingerprints all over it. Yeah, and he said as much. Sexsmith said recently that. Uh, I think he said repeatedly over the years that uh, Lightfoot was a big inspiration to him, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, Chris, you being a musician, what's what, what what Lightfoot songs do you like to play? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know if you guys know, but I, I'm in a band. I, I I know I've mentioned that on my channel before, but we do uh, Sundown, and we do. Do you play it on? A, do you play it on a twelve string like he did? I play it on the six string. Nice. And it, we're a three-piece, so it's just a bass player, a lead player, and then myself on acoustic and vocals. Um, but, yeah, we do Sundown. We do uh, Edmund Fitzgerald. And I, I want to do Carefree Highway. But every time you do the songs, people love them. And um, But you do, what's cool is you don't really hear those songs on the radio that much. So when people hear them, they're like, oh, man, I haven't heard that song in forever. Uh, the the only reason we haven't been playing Edmund Fitzgerald is it's so long. Yeah, and it it's is. like, <laughs> I mean, I have the lyrics in front of me. I don't know how he remembered all those lyrics, but um, 
yeah, Gordon Lightfoot songs go go over pretty well, and I I've kind of been able to kind of replicate his voice a little bit. I try to make like if I'm singing Johnny Cash, I'll kind of put my Johnny Cash on, and I've I've listened to Gordon Lightfoot so many times that when I'm singing, I can kind of sound a little like Gordon. And again, I'm not going to say I sound just like Gordon Lightfoot. I'm just saying that I you can try to emulate. Of, I can kind of do it. So yeah. um, that that helps with getting the song across as well. But I, I don't know if you guys have ever, uh, there's another YouTube channel, a uh, very famous record producer, Rick Beato. I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen his channel or not. He did an incredible tribute to Gordon Lightfoot, um, you know, a couple nights after he died where he went through some of his songs and just from a from a musical production standpoint talked about yeah. how absolutely they incredible they are i'm going to leave a link to that video in the description because it's it's certainly well worth checking out so well i think the other thing too is we have to talk about his guitar playing as well he was a phenomenal yeah. guitar player the the finger picking style that he had um you know and most of the time it was done on an acoustic guitar so you know he uh we we, we can't under you know whatever his guitar playing that's a good point because that does i mean i i, I think of him as singer songwriter don't i don't often think that that he is as great of a guitar player as he is yeah, yeah I agree. i'm not qualified to talk about his guitar playing but i agree with you that i barely talk am, about him so. they will say singer songwriter they will talk about times he's been covered but they never you're right they never seem to mention his guitar well, i shouldn't say never they don't often mention his guitar playing so that's a good point yeah no definitely he's uh he had a uh, distinctive, uh, you know, finger picking style. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you guys have any sort of final thoughts you want to you want to throw out there? Anything you know that uh, any stories, any insights, any lasting legacies, any anything you want to? Well, I mean, when I saw him live, like I said, he he can't he couldn't sing like he used to. But once you got over that. You could just see that he was a performer. He liked to be on stage. His banter between songs was he was he could just spin a web of stories for you. And just, you know, and you'd have the whole audience just hanging on every word that he was saying. And he was soft spoken about it, but he had this sense of humor. And uh, you could just tell that he was a master at what he did, not only at writing, but also performing his songs and connecting with the audience. So that was amazing. That was amazing to see. Well, I was at a concert two nights ago on Friday night. I went to see a band called White Horse, who I absolutely love, a talented Canadian singer-songwriter group. Um, I went to see them. They were playing in a church. Yeah. Um, odd place, but nevertheless, it was a it was an incredible show. I'll have a video about that later this week. But uh, they played their whole show, and they, and they you know went back and everyone claps and come out to do an encore. And the first encore song was one of theirs, and then they closed with "Sundown." Nice, <laughs> and not a single person, and there had to be three four hundred people there. Not a single person was seated. Everybody was clapping. Everybody yes. was singing. And it was the highlight of the night. And it was just sort of their their homage to their their hero. And it, it just it was wonderful 
how that connected with everyone in the audience. There were old people there. There were young people there and everyone was just sort of caught up in that moment. So it was wonderful. He's, he's so underrated as a, as a songwriter. I mean, when you talk about Canadian musicians, obviously Neil Young comes up and Joni Mitchell and Rush and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But very rarely do you hear Gordon Lightfoot. And I, I don't think people realize how many freaking songs this guy wrote. <laughs> and he was sort of flew under the radar. Yeah. Um, but when you discover him, he's got so many albums of just wonderful music. So anybody out there, if you haven't listened to Gordon Lightfoot, start, like we all said, start with Gord's Gold. But then if you like it, just go on from there. Any album you pick up, you're going to like. He recorded 500 songs in his career. Wow. Yeah. Which which is a staggering amount when you think about it. And it's slightly different perspective, I think, and Brian can correct me if I'm wrong, but you mentioned, you know, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. I think generally he is regarded as sort of one of the the proverbial Mount Rushmore of Canadian musicians, I think. You know, we think of the well, maybe down movie. here then, down here. Yeah. I think up so, here yeah. we we look at if if you if you were to poll a hundred people you know, who are the greatest ever Canadian musicians? You'd probably always hear Gordon Lightfoot, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, and probably Rush, I think. I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but no, I, think I, I, I think you're right. And that's what's come out in the press since yeah. since May 2nd is the fact that he's often, that statement great as Canadian songwriter. So yeah. I think he does have a lot of reverence up here for sure. So I and, guess and, more, and, and, everybody, in and everybody knows some of his music, whether they're aware of it or not. Yeah. Uh, Even just, if it's a cover version. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just it's so widespread in the in the you know in the airwaves up here that even if you don't know it, you know it. So yeah. slightly different, but uh yeah. Yeah. Ever present, I guess you could say. Right. So yeah. well, um thank you gentlemen for joining me tonight and having a little chat about uh the late great Gordon Lightfoot. Um I appreciate you joining me. Oh, it's well, fun. Thank Thanks. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for watching or listening to another episode of the Vinyl Community Podcasts, wherever your podcasts can be found. Uh, and those that are watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Thanks to my guests, Brian and Chris.